0: Philo community welcome to the podcast if this is your first time joining us welcome our goal here at Philo is to help you become more effective as a technical artist but more importantly as a human being so that in turn your church can become more effective and this podcast is one of the ways that we do that we also have the Philo conference our book I love Jesus but I hate Christmas we have Philo cohorts and even our website and these are all ways that we hope to give you the tools you need to do your job. The best possible. And in that spirit, we've been releasing some new blog posts over the summer written by some of the members of the Philo Core team. And they're talking about all kinds of practical topics that so many of us are faced with every day, like dealing with transitions, and not just the ones in services, but leadership transitions and people transitions on our team. There's also celebrating as a team or creating compelling stories and a whole bunch more. And the Philo blog, it's a great source of content on all the topics that we face, and it's free. So you can go to philo.org slash blog and check it all out. All right, let's get right to the podcast. So, our guest today is Dylan Hoffman. He is the production manager and dream team specialist at Christ Fellowship Church, which is a multi site church in South Florida. He's also a member of the Philo core team, and he helps to create a great experience for our online community during the Philo conference. So, we got in the weeds about all kinds of things about developing teams and training teams and onboarding people. And yeah, we had a great conversation. So let's just get right to it. Dylan Hoffman. Dylan, welcome to the hey, podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, so uh, we were just talking before this officially started about when we first met. And Dylan was trying to tell me, I'm like, no, no, save it. Save it for the recording. Because <laughs> you know what? If you have a really good take, there's a chance it'll never be as good. So you got to yeah, save, save for that one time. Yeah, 100%. so. What do you recall?
1: I so I remember meeting you in person at Philo twenty seventeen. Okay, passing you the hallway. Hey, Todd, what's up? I'm just having a brief conversation, <laughs> and then really, I think our friendship kind of developed in the first cohort yep. that we uh, did in twenty twenty one.
0: Okay, yeah, yep, that sounds um, right. we were in the
1: first cohort. I met Wes and met a ton of awesome people, but we're you in the very first cohort. I think it was in the second. Like it was like second. back to yeah, back. Yeah. So Got it. Wow. Um, I think the first one got full like instantly. And I was like, yeah. what the heck? Well, I guess I have to be on the next one. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, get me on the list for the next yeah. one. And so, <laughs> yeah. yes. yes.
0: Yes, that's what I, I recall that too. And it's so funny. I mean, everybody listening can relate to kind of what it's like to be on a Zoom call with someone. And, yep. you know, you've, you have some sense of who the person is. But yep. I want to say then the following Philo in 2021, you came to Philo and we bumped into each other Yep. And I basically put my foot in my mouth because the first thing I said is, wow, you're a lot shorter
1: than I would have imagined. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, everybody says that as well. Every time I meet them for the first <laughs> yeah. time, I'm like, oh, they're like looking down at me like I'm a child. Yeah. I look like I'm 12 already. And then the height doesn't help. So like, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. Oh, that's funny. But since then, now you're
0: a part of the core team. You helped us produce the online experience this year. Yep. I think for us, we're always trying to make ball, ball. improvements as we go, and you really helped kind of take that yeah. to the next step. So thank you for thank that. You that. Yeah, thanks. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do, and then maybe the story of kind of how you got to where you are yeah. today.
1: I am from sunny, and as of this recording, hot. West Palm Beach, Florida Oosh, is hot yeah. and humid, and so everybody thinks South Florida is awesome until you get to summer. I don't understand why they come in vacation during this time of year, that but
0: crazy. kudos
1: to them. I work at Christ Hall Church, and I am the production manager of our Stuart location, as well as uh, the Dream Team specialist. So, what that really means is I'm in charge of helping onboard, train, develop, and care for all of our production volunteers churchwide over 14 campuses. Okay. So, really, I feel like I've had a heart for volunteers since I was a volunteer. Even it's been 20 plus years ago now. I started most like anybody else, like sneaking into the sound booth and trying to fidget with things and break things, um, being that annoying little pesky kid. <laughs> but man, production was like where I thought at home. Uh-huh. And so I've been poured into over the years. I think just where I'm at, I want to pour back into others as they kind of are along this production journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So you started as a as a kid, like a lot of us yep. did. How did you end up choosing it as kind of a career path? Did you Did you start then working at the church you were volunteering at or...
1: Yeah, so I I wanted to be a lawyer for so many years, like that was the awesome. thing. But I couldn't lie well, so and I didn't forget about lying. Uh, sorry if you're a lawyer listening to this. I mean,
0: uh, but
1: uh, all that to say, Dylan's views are not <laughs> the
0: views of the Philo community. I don't know. I'm kidding. Yeah, some I'm, sort kidding. Of I'm, kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding.
1: So, but I just realized, like, you know, that just wasn't wasn't for me. Uh-huh. I took a class in college, and like, I really restored it. I just knew, like, my whole. Middle school and high school time, like, was spent with production and with other volunteers and just learning. And I was like, man, I just had a passion for this. I don't mm-hmm. know what that looks like. And so I went to college for audio production. Okay. That was that was kind of like my niche, my my heart. And so went for that. And so I got my first like church job during college. Okay. In Lexington, Kentucky, shout out Southland Christian Church. Uh, that was like where I first got to lead volunteers over student ministry. Okay. Uh, it was something I did on Wednesdays and Sundays. I grew team. I invested in team. And that's kind of really where I realized, like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so I did some internships at different churches. And then out of college, I got a job in Pennsylvania at a church where they had two production volunteers. And that was it. And I was like, and they had about six or seven serving roles. And I was like, well, <laughs> this is going to be fine. <laughs> and so... Lots of room for growth in that. Uh, uh, yeah. lot, I mean, the bar was very low at that yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let's do it. And so... I I f- was very introverted, and so that was where I kind of had to be like, okay, well, if you're going to grow a team, like you've got to grow out of just the, just not even the selfishness, but just not wanting to go out to find people, but knowing that there was no other way to do it. They're not going to yeah. come to you flocking. Yeah. Over a, probably about an eight month span, we went from two volunteers to forty, and so wow. that yeah, it just out of nowhere, and so. It was like very it was quick that I had like no idea what to do with all of them. It was like, okay, cool, we have these positions, but like now what? And so I had to be creative. I had to like have somebody help me with admin stuff, somebody help plan team outing, somebody to help just I mean, lead alongside of me, delegate. And so, yeah. you know, that was that was a good four years. It was just growing team, investing in team, and I just fell in love with just being able to just do life with them. I made uh-huh. so many really great friends, let alone just volunteers. And that was kind of like the biggest thing. Like when I moved to Florida, like the friendships didn't die away. It was because of yeah. the investment over four years. It was just like, man, you could just tell that mark that we left on each other. Mm-hmm. Coming to Florida, kind of the same thing. Moved down here, joined a team about 13. Over six months, we grew to about 25. And then COVID happened. Okay. I was just like, Well, what do I do with all these people? <laughs> it was like, we can't, we can't leave our houses. I mean, I can't go visit them. And so we did Zoom once a week. It was like a little small group, like, you know, just investing in them, pouring into them, learning about their lives and really mm-hmm. just creating a community they didn't have prior to meet and just really a culture that wasn't set prior to COVID. And so coming out of COVID, the team continued to grow. Currently, we have 45 volunteers at our campus for five serving positions. So there's some math there of how often somebody can yeah, serve, which yeah. is a good problem to have. But in that growth there was a realization that not a lot of our campuses were in that same mindset. Um, They're actually just rapidly losing volunteers. Or if they gain volunteers, they wouldn't be followed through with. They wouldn't have a smooth training process. And so we realized, hey, we need to do something about this. As Uh our church kind of grows, how can we help our team continue to grow as well?
0: Very cool. So now being responsible for all those things that you saw, okay, these are a challenge. We got to do something about it. I'm all about like solving the problem that's right in front of me. Like this didn't work yeah. last weekend. Let's jump in and make it work so that, you know, yeah. we, it works great for next weekend. And, you know, making sure that the team is full for the weekend was never my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And so now it's your job, you know, to you know, yeah. make sure that the team is doing good and that people are onboarded well and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, has that been a challenge for you to kind of switch off a little bit of the production brain and
1: focus on like the team building think- part? I think yes and no. I think because I see what the potential could be, that's kind of the driving factor. I think back to like when I kind of stepped into my my campus right now, like I just saw like, okay, here's a challenge. Like, what can this be? Like what Mm. is its full potential? And so obviously production for a lot of us, it's like woven to we are. Everything we do, whether we're sitting at home watching something surround sound or we go to a concert, like it's all woven in. And so I think even with Switching it off to like this side, it's so woven in. It's people. People come to mess with gear, but they really come for the community. For um, sure. Whether they say it or not, they're not. They're not going to say that most of the time. But they come for that. And so my heart really is just, what can we do to make this community better?
0: Well, that's cool. Like as far as onboarding people or training volunteers, yeah. feels like a giant puzzle to solve. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you've built in systems for? This is what it means to onboard people. This is what we're training them to do or to yeah. be about, or like, how, how did you develop yeah. that kind of setup?
1: Yeah. So church-wide, we have a central, like, we call them dream team coordinators. And they, they're they the ones who kind of set the process for the entire church. But kind of when I started, they were also going through a revamp process. And so I was kind of able to come alongside of them and be like, hey, here's some pinch points even our department is specifically feeling. And so we were able to actually work alongside one another and revamp our system to something that's simple, something that anybody on the team can do, but really just accelerates somebody's onboarding process. So we kind right. of came over with a four-step process, which is somebody signs up, we immediately have a ministry conversation with them. So, hey, tell me how you found out about Christ Fellowship. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. Why production? What do you hope to kind of gain from this? And we kind of take all that and we make sure they're a good fit for the team. Okay. Um and then if they are, we just run a background check and then we get them on team. Like okay. there's no reason why it should be this elongated months long thing so that once they get through the background check and we welcome them, we get them into a training rhythm to, you know, figure out what's the best place for them. Audio, video, lighting, maybe it's a different space, maybe it's leading a team in a different ministry. Okay. Really from there, is we're still working through what the onboarding looks like because for a lot of our campuses, and I feel like for a lot of people, uh, Sunday morning is kind of just where we say, here you go, we're going to train you and right. good luck. Like yeah, yeah. the most high pressure part of the week, we're just hoping that they do great yeah. I and mean, they don't feel any pressure. <laughs> yeah. And so we're working on what does that look like, whether it's some video modules before they sit down for the first time, just to give them a foundation and a breath of fresh air where they're like, oh, purpose space spacebar, that's easy. Yeah, like, right. and gives them a sense of confidence before they come in. Like, I know what a space bar is. Great. I can come in to learn that. Or learning how to frame or what a gain knob does. And so, we're working through a lot of that right now from a training aspect to make it not fast, but faster than we've been doing. And also, just the knowledge is there for them to sure. them for a win.
0: Now, are you getting a lot of your volunteers through some church wide process? Or do you have some other way that you're finding volunteers?
1: I think it's a little bit of everything. We have a class called The Journey. That's where we learn about, you know, the church culture, the history of the church. So people come from that. But I think a lot of the time, it's word of mouth. I think it's the culture that we're setting just breeds people wanting to be a part of it. Or they walk in and they kind of see what's going on. They come back to the booth. They're like, hey, we love what you're doing. How can I get plugged in? So one simple thing we did uh, was we created a little index card with like our logo on the front of it with an inspiring photo on the back and mm-hmm. kind of set our mission and a QR code. And we're like, hey, scan this, sign up. We'd love to be you know, in touch with you. And so most of the time they'll scan it right there or they'll take it home. And that way they have just a tangible way, an action step to kind of get involved. Yeah. And so we, a lot of us carry those with us. So if we do have those conversations, it's just like, bam, we're ready for you.
0: That's cool. And thinking back to your first church experience, like going from two to 40, like was yeah. that a similar kind of a process that you learned from and took that with you or... Something else um, going on there.
1: Man, I think that that 2 to 40 was just pure just, I don't even think it was like a, I can pinpoint something. I think it was honestly totally God. As the church grew, as we were building that culture, I think people wanted to be a part. Okay. There wasn't really a process. It was just like everybody flocked. I'm like, I, it was just figure it out. Sure, yeah. Um, and so I think taking some of what I did there here, um, obviously here is a little bit more structured, but interjecting some of that I think was helpful because I was like, okay, If we have an influx, what do we do? Like, one of our conversations right now is two of our campuses just have way too many people for, like, positions even campus-wide, whether it's students or young adults. Like, what do we do? So, we're talking right now, like, what other positions can we create out of thin air to make it, you know, um, worth it for them, but also just to alleviate some of our pressure. And so... It's just encountering something new every day. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, what you're talking about it sounds very foreign to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. like so many volunteers that we yeah. we don't know what to do with them all. Yeah. How have you seen just the process that you've been working through and the, the things that you've tried now that yeah. you've ha- – because I don't think you started at the church with the role that you're in now as far no, as the uh, dream team coordinator. So. What have you noticed as you've been going from campus to campus and helping onboard people or just creating community for them?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I think I knew it prior to this, but Mm -hmm. I think like the more people that you put in this pool, the more obvious it gets is just how much people want to learn, how much Mm -hmm. they really Mm want to be involved. Like some people, yeah, you might have that small majority that come in, they do the job, and they leave. And so, and that's what they want. Like, and that's okay. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that come in and like they have in their mind kind of what they want to do serving capacity-wise or kind of an idea of what they want to do. But then they get in the seat and they serve for a season and like how bought in they are and how involved they want to be. I think of a volunteer, his name's Houston. He, um, he actually can't really speak. And so mm. it's a lot of reading lips, a lot of text communication. Um, and he's a lighting op. He just loves scheduling teams. Like, that is his thing. So he will sit down, and he'll schedule for two months at a time, he'll follow up with people, but, like, that's what he loves. And mm. so, like, just, you know, to me, like, cool, it's admin work, like, I can do it, but I don't get joy out of it. But, like, to have somebody who signed up to serve as a lighting op, who wants to do more and then do that, and, like, that's yeah. what he loves, and that makes him feel part of the community and have that interaction with all the team, even though he gets to see him maybe once every five or six weeks in the booth, like, yeah. that's that's like just one small story of like just somebody who could find their place into something that maybe doesn't bring joy to me or somebody else. And so yeah. it's just, I don't want to be the reason why somebody's calling or life, life change doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think back again to when I was a kid, if somebody didn't give me the opportunities, where would I be? What would yeah. I be doing with my life? Whose lives would I not be able to impact just in one small way? And so like, I don't want to be in the way of that. I want to yeah. be able to open the door to as many people as I can.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I just love the your statement that people want to learn. I think it's so easy yeah. to, as somebody scheduling people and trying to get volunteers, that you're trying to sell it as like the lowest possible commitment. You know, yeah. so be easy. Just come in, push yeah. the space bar. And I think that we do people a disservice by yeah. underestimating their their ability. And their their desire to do more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing I'm wrestling with right now that I'm having discussion over is like some people might sign up thinking that they're a great lighting designer. And maybe they are, but I think we're gonna start implementing a spiritual gifts test because Hmm. some people may be great in the pastoral sense. So they might be able to have those conversations with fellow team members, pray over them during the week, go to the hospital if somebody's in the hospital. Or somebody who's great at admin work or somebody who's great at teaching, like we should be able to catch that way sooner than months or years. Yeah. Like we should know that from the start. And we're doing a disservice if we don't know what their spiritual gifts are. Mm-hmm. And we're not helping them fulfill um, their maximum opportunity.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I always struggle with was if I'm asking a volunteer to serve, a lot of times I was thinking about it in terms of, well, they're, do, they're doing me a favor by serving. And the reality is that to be involved in the local church is to serve. I mean, that's what yeah. I feel like we're called to do. You know, just thinking about it in terms of you're not doing me a favor, but I'm helping create a space for you to use your unique gifts yeah. for the body yeah. of Christ.
1: Yeah. I think I think it's all how we cast vision. Mm-hmm. When somebody comes in, if you make it just sound like you're coming in and doing this, it just doesn't sound appeasing. Mm-hmm. I have a personally a volunteer named Scott and he is 16 he started about two years ago and he started serving just because he thought the lights were cool. And so I was like, hey, do you want to join the team? And he's like, yeah, sure. Like, what am I going to be doing? I'm like, in that moment, I could be like, oh, you're hitting this play button to just cues on a click. Yeah. Or, hey, you get to design an atmosphere where somebody can encounter God, mm-hmm. where they can, you know, be in dark so they can feel control in their hands, whatever, whatever that vision is. Right. And now he's programming lights on a weekend. He's leading, like, the students lighting team on Wednesday nights. Like, it's setting them up for a place to know what is possible, uh-huh. and so I just I'm I'm thinking, you know, at the end of the day, how are we communicating to these teams? What are these volunteers when they sign up? Like, you're either coming in to just serve, or are you coming in to make an impact. Yeah, yeah, like how are we? How are we telling them that?
0: Yeah. So a lot of times things are moving so fast and changes yep. coming fast, and there's a lot of people waiting around for us to fix stuff. And yeah. there's a real temptation to kind of jump in and solve the problem or even, you know, program all the lights so somebody could just, you know, click, click the buttons. Like, how do you create space for, you know, on Sunday morning for someone to learn and grow and feel the pressure and push through and, you know, versus just like jumping in and solving the problem?
1: I think for a while it didn't come naturally. Like, Mm -hmm. we're all wired to be like, I can just fix it. Like, let me just do it. I think to a degree, I'm still that way, but I'm mm-hmm. able to catch it before it comes out of my mouth. Yeah, And so it's the intentionality of knowing like, okay, can we afford to take five minutes in rehearsal so I can show them how to fix this problem? Mm-hmm. Or do we have a gap somewhere in the morning that I can help them understand it? Because Sunday morning is go, 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 no stop. Right. Like we've got to get this done. We're to make church happen. So a lot of the times in the morning, like if changes happen um, and they don't know how to fix it, I'll say, hey, watch me. After services, let's connect for 10 minutes. Let me show you how it's like, you know, this can happen. Cause a lot of the time they know the times, they know what it takes. And I don't want them to either feel rushed, but I want them to feel intentional that we're we're wanting to take the time to teach them. Sure. And so if you do that and you give them the space outside of even a rehearsal, so after service is over, room is cleared, fluorescent lights are on. Hey, let me show you what I did earlier and let them just mess with it that breeds a little bit more of a learning ground than like the midst of the chaos. And I think that honors them as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to somebody earlier today and we were just talking about, you know, taking a vacation and, you know, part of it is preparing your volunteers for you to take a vacation happens before you're actually on vacation. Yeah. You know, encouraging your volunteers to not text you when you're on vacation if something's not working. If, If there's a muscle that gets trained for... Problem solving in the moment, you know. Yeah. Like I said, I tended to jump in and solve the problem, and then okay, yeah. Just keep pushing the button. Versus, yeah, yeah. Let's turn you into a problem solver so yeah. that you feel empowered to fix things yeah. and not just let me jump in.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the time we're afraid to go on vacation because we're afraid of what that looks like. I would challenge everybody, like. Let it fail because the only way that team's going to grow, you're no, you're going to know what the weaknesses are is by letting it fail. Yeah. Not in the sense of like church can't happen. Right. But like, it'll help you know what you've communicated and what you haven't to a lot of the team that's there. Yeah. And so it's it's definitely scary. I hate waking up on a Sunday morning on vacation, like an <laughs> hour or two after call time, and be like, oh no, yeah. what am I waking up to? But it's kind of in that change where like team has realized, okay, he's on vacation unless the church is literally burning, which again, I'm not gonna be able to help you from six hours away. But, (laughs) you know, give me a summary when I get back. Like, how can I help you guys in the future? What can I do? I think it's just, and setting that up in advance. Don't let them like fail and be like, what the heck? He did. But like say, hey, I've given you what I can give you. And if Mm -hmm. I forgot something or something comes up that you don't uh, know or that, you know, you don't remember or I could have taught you better, like, let me know. Like, let's dig into that. So that way you guys feel prepared and honored And ready to make a Sunday happen. And then I don't feel like I'm having to check my phone every five minutes waiting for something to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've said it a couple of times, talking about how volunteers, you know, they kind of show up because they love the flashing lights or, you know, something cool about the technology, but they stick around for community. And I think, I mean, I believe that same thing. And there's part of it that our teams need something more than just like the task at hand. So part of what your role is also kind of shepherding. The team. Yeah. Well, how have you done that? What does that look like yeah. for for you and your teams?
1: So Jesus was about two things: loving God and loving people. And so, first, it takes the intentionality to love God like yourself. What are you mm-hmm. doing yourself to make that happen? Because I think if you're not doing that to your own self, you're not going to do it anybody else. Yeah. If you're not reading the Bible, if you're not praying, if you're not diving deep, if you're not sitting in and listening to a message on a Sunday, but instead fixing something or running around, then you're not investing in yourself. So it's an outpouring of yourself to everybody else to be able to, yeah. pastor, to pastor and shepherd them. It's funny because like a lot of people think you need the title of a pastor to be a pastor. Your role has already called you to that. Like you're over people and yep. you can just do it. You don't need permission. You don't need, I mean, I just think to something simple. Like I, every birthday I write a card, I get somebody a slice of cake from Walmart, a $1.32 in case anybody <laughs> has a small budget. There you go. And then just their favorite drink or favorite snack. Uh-huh. pretty new bag. I give it to them like, hey, happy birthday. You're seen, you're valued. I love you. It's something small, but yeah. the amount of times that I get like, just how did you know my favorite thing? Oh, trust me. I figure it out. Like it's just <laughs> those small <laughs> intentionalities. But from mm-hmm. like the shepherding standpoint, I have a small group on Friday morning of like my five closest volunteers that, you know, they lead team themselves. They want to dive deeper with God, like whatever it is. They may be scared to go to a men's small group with people they don't know, but they'll come to something with peers that they serve with. Yeah. So every other Friday morning at 7.30 in the morning, even though it's my day off, like we're going hmm. and we're hanging out, we're having breakfast, like, and it's just pouring into each other. And so a lot of the times technical people hate small groups. They hate early mornings <laughs> outside of Sunday. I mean, they might hit Sunday morning call times too, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's just being intentional with like what we've been given. Like it doesn't cost us anything to shepherd somebody. Yeah. I know a lot of times we like comfort and we're afraid of what those uncomfortable conversations or interactions may be. Yeah. But those interactions are going to be what grows you as a leader, but also yeah. that individual in their life with God, in their life with their wife, whatever it is, I think it's just, we've got to start pouring into them outside of Sundays in some capacity. Yeah.
0: So I was just working at an event, the stage crew and the video team were all volunteers and I don't think I've, I didn't have it in my mind to like, I got to make sure that I talked to everyone. Yeah. But I found myself just kind of going around and, hey, how are you? And what have you been up to? And how is your family? And just talking about the event itself, uh, you know, how it was going. And then I just sent an email to everybody, you know, hey, thanks for serving. And it was great to be together and make something yeah. awesome. And, and if there's any way, you know, that we can improve the, the process for next time, you know, I'd love to, to know your thoughts. And I got an email back from somebody and she just said, thanks for the email and just felt great to be seen. Yeah. And that was it. That was her whole email. Mm. And I just like how important it is for people to feel like they're a part of something. And I, you know, in, in the world of production, in the local church Mm -hmm. or maybe production just in general, you're generally only getting feedback when things are going wrong yeah. And so to provide opportunities for people to get, you know, just like human interaction that has no yeah. bearing on their performance, I think is so important.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I did something scary this year for myself. I, I love feedback, but I'm so nervous about it. And yeah, so yeah. one thing I did is I took a Google form, I made it 100% anonymous, and I sent it to the team. I said, hey, what did we do great this past year? What did we do that we could have done better with? How have I been as a leader? Mm-hmm. Or Do you feel seen or valued? And what can we do uh, to make your volunteer experience better? Yeah. And so I was like, just I would refresh the page every five minutes just waiting for the responses. <laughs> and, as, and as they came in, it was like they they were all overwhelmingly positive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, hey, you've made me feel seen. You guys actually care about me. This is the place that I look forward to every every week. Mm. And just like little things like that. It's like, man, in my mind, I'm thinking the worst about my leadership. Mm. But this just shows like, just a small piece of how much of an impact like the church as a whole is making, I'm like, okay, I got to keep getting that feedback. Cause I think that feedback is important from the people that are in the trenches every single week with you. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just thinking back on this event, like there were some crazy hairy moments production wise, and yeah, I was definitely running around like a crazy person, but it wasn't the whole time. Yeah, and I think it's so easy to, I mean, you know, okay, true confessions time. You know, yeah. we all start writing emails when the message starts. Yep. I don't think I, like on purpose, uh, was just not doing that. But oh, I was just making it a point to connect with others and, yeah. you know, make it about the people. It was a great reminder. We couldn't have done it without those people. Yeah, And they wanted to be there. And yeah, so to create a great atmosphere where they're feeling I don't know if "shepherded" is the right word, but you know, yeah. felt like a part of something, and yeah, to be felt to feel yeah. seen.
1: I uh, I wrote a quote down. Doctor Andrew Johnston, who was at Philo a couple years back, he yeah, yeah. he said, "If you want your team to step up and take care of business, you need to step up and take care of them. Their fingerprints on everything that you do, and you're responsible for them." Hmm. Like, man, I if I didn't take care of the team, if somebody doesn't take care of a team, like, I just can't even imagine, like just what that person would I'm coming in, I'm just doing a task. I'm not seen. I'm not cared for. Like if if you don't know that somebody's in the hospital, if you don't know that somebody's about to give birth, if you don't know you name it, if you don't know even people on your team's kids' names, then mm-hmm. what are you doing? Like you've yeah. got to take that step back and like look at them first as who they are. Mm-hmm. They're loved by God. They're a child of God. They they're there to be shepherded and pastored. They're not there to just do something for you.
0: Sure. I would be curious, just this is maybe more of a personal question. Just if you go back to your time in Pennsylvania, so many of us tech people, I would put myself in this category, like I'm after the cool, the next cool thing. And the how do I, maybe not budget wise or whatever, but how do I, I'm going to try something new with my switcher or whatever. And it ends up taking all week to, you know, solve the problem. And I think it's just so easy to get caught up in those things versus people side. Like for you, was this something that you've always been gravitated to or did you have to set aside like, you know, if we go back long enough for me, there was no social media. So, you know, it was real easy to not compare yourself to anyone because you didn't know what anybody else was doing. But I think it's so easy to get caught up in that, you know, trying to do something cool and that shepherding teams doesn't. Look great on Instagram, you know. It's yeah. like wh- yeah. there's no great picture of that. Yeah, was it something that you decided one day you're going to do, and you just to not chase the the next cool thing, or were you just never interested in the next cool thing? And so,
1: yeah, I think there was a season where I was I I mean 100 percent vulnerable, like just seeing gear and knowing, oh, cool, I could get this, I could post this. People were like, oh, look at this guy. That mm-hmm. that was a thing probably for about a year or two, and it was mm-hmm. like that was what engulfed. Like, let's go to conferences. Let's check this out. Let's have them come in and do a demo. Let's fight for budget for this item. Yeah. But then there was one week where one of the volunteers, he was like, I came in this morning. I almost came in high. I almost came in drunk. Mm. But I knew I'd let you down. And I was like, I didn't know any of that. I didn't Mm. know that he was struggling. Like, and it hit. And I think I went home. I made it through that Sunday. I went home and I was like, what am I doing? Like, Mm. And this is when the team was 40. So like, this is one of 40. So I'm like, what is everybody else dealing with? Yeah. What, what are they coming with on a Sunday morning? And I'm not, I'm not taking five minutes out of my week to call somebody. Yeah. And so that's kind of when my, my like team nights kind of started happening where I would put 10 minutes on my calendar every day where I would just text a volunteer. Like, mm-hmm. I had to sit there and be intentional about it. And I didn't have anybody at the time to tell me, here's how you do that. Because you yeah. can have everybody on Facebook tell you how to run a switcher or fix a per presenter problem, but there's not a lot of people that can tell you how to care for somebody. Yeah, and so yeah. I kind of sat there and was like, Well, let's figure this out. And so instead of putting budget toward a new audio console, we went, I believe we went top golfing something. Okay. But literally, Which costs we about took, the same.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's about <laughs> yeah, hey, it's yeah. not bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. But we took them all and we're like, let's go. We're all going to hang out. And uh-huh. so and then I was able to do just, like, other stuff. Like, somebody graduated from high school. Hey, let's let's celebrate you. Let's go out to lunch. What's mm. one thing you need for college? Let's go. Like, yeah. it's just that intentionality that you just had to figure out. Yeah, I think it was just a wake-up call. And so, then it started to become, I know all of these people's, like, craziness at home. And then they all were like, well, what are you going through? And I'm like, oh, crap. I have to go one <laughs> too. Like, goodness. <laughs> nothing. So, um, now that I'm good, I'm great. But, yeah, it's just... It just came out of a place of like, mm. just a wow. like, Yeah. It, yeah. Wow.
0: This is going back a lot of years, but I was in a, like, we were analyzing the budget and trying to figure out what should we be spending money on and not. And it was yeah. like a group of people from different departments, like a church-wide kind of looking at the budget. And we were talking about, like, there was a, a line item for like sending flowers to someone who has a, a death in the family or something yeah. like that. And somebody in the group was, they were like, this is the stupidest money we've ever spent. (laughs) And we were all sort of like, what? You can't say that. Yeah. He's like, we should not be buying flowers that no one's going to remember. We should be showing up. Yeah. We should be going to the funeral. We should be showing up for the family, the meal or something. Yeah. And that hardly costs anything. Yeah. And I think part of shepherding people, being in their lives requires the time to do that and yeah. setting aside the other things to do that. I mean, you even said, you know, 10 minutes a day to write a note to a volunteer. It's like, it has to be, we have to make time for it yeah. or else everything else will kind of squeeze it out. Yeah. And I just, so we had um, a relatively close friend, uh, definitely a friend of Philo, her, her mother passed away. And so, you know, Chelsea was like, Hey, I think I'm going to go to the funeral yeah. And so it was like a day off work, or whatever. I'm like, absolutely. I mean, don't even think yeah. about it. And, you know, uh, I was talking to that person just the other day and she was like, it meant so much to her that friends showed yeah. up, you know, unannounced. She's never going to yeah. forget that. And she feels cared yeah. for. And, you know, in this particular example, they had to fly down, you know, to the funeral. But, yeah, uh, you know, it just, it's our time that that we yeah. have to spend, not necessarily yeah. budget money.
1: I've learned to, to make that switch on my calendar where, cool, I can have meetings. I mean, everybody has meetings on meetings, uh, yeah. meetings about meetings. And so yeah. it's like, <laughs> what do I need to do? Like, what is my, I call it an MIT, like, what is my most important tasks of the day? And mm-hmm. always, number one, is always like checking on somebody. So I have my list and so I just cycle through. Like, who am I, you know, checking in on? Who am I calling? Who am I texting? Finding out what's going on in their life. And so one of the other things I started doing for 10 bucks, you can get a thousand thank you notes. And I'm, I've tried <laughs> to get in the mentality this year of just thankfulness Yeah, because I think I thought I was thankful until you sit down and you try to thank somebody for something and you're like, man, I've never actually like sat down to think about this. So like I have not done good lately. I will admit this <laughs> will get me back on the band and the wagon of this, yeah, But yeah. I try every day to write a thank you note to mm-hmm. just somebody, whether it's a volunteer, a staff member, because a lot of the time we've said this, like it's, you're about being seen. Yeah, And so I'm not trying to find like something generic, like, hey, you're a great worship leader. Your voice is amazing. No. Yeah. Hey, thank you for the way you led in this way, or thank yeah. you for the way that you helped me with this. Like, I think it's, again, it's that 10 minutes a day. Like, what can you do to add value to someone?
0: Yeah. I think too, the, the practice of writing a thank you note gets you in the mindset
1: of looking for things yeah.
0: to acknowledge. Yeah. I think it's so easy as tech people, for me, it's very easy to look at what didn't work. Fix this, yep. fix this, fix this, change that. You know, it's like sitting through a service, I can pick yeah. it apart all day long. But to know that I'm going to write a thank you note on Monday yeah. and I need to have my eyes open for good, the good stuff yeah. happening. And yep. especially for tech people who are not getting feedback any other way you know, they're not getting positive feedback. Yeah. They're getting negative feedback. So yeah. yeah, How can
1: I be the one that's looking out for them yeah. for what they're doing good? And it's funny. Cause like, like you were saying, like on a Sunday morning, you're going to notice everything that everybody does wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just how we're wired. Yeah. So it's uh, what I've tried to do is if somebody makes a mistake, it could be something simple. It could be something a little bit distracting. I won't even look at them. I won't say anything like, unless yeah. it's like catastrophic that I have to go over there and like Makes a major issue. Like I won't even look. I won't acknowledge mm-hmm. it because I. Don't, they already know they made the mistake. Yeah. Me looking at them or whatever <laughs> makes it, ma- obviously is going to make it worse. So we'll end the service and like I'm so sorry that I fired that video a second too early. I'm so sorry that I went black too early. I'll be mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? What do you, I, I, I didn't see anything. Like I'll make that joke because it kind of lightens that load. Yeah. And they're like, what do you? You didn't see it? And I'm like, oh, I saw it, but we're good. Like, let's go. Yeah. And it obviously, it becomes a trend. that it's something that we can address. But like, sure. You're not a robot. You're not going to get everything right all the time. Yeah. So it's just, again, finding that good and making sure people feel that value in, oh, okay, I can make mistakes. Like, yeah, we want it to be excellent, but I know, I know you're not going to have it perfect every single time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially when I started working at Willow Creek. You know, it's like it's stacked with professional top-end production people. And we were still making mistakes, and so yeah. for me that was an eye opener. It's like it doesn't matter how good anybody is; yep. stuff happens, yep. mistakes yep. happen, human error, you know. Yep. And so it needs to be okay. You know, they're going to make mistakes, and those, yep. so it's probably okay for volunteers to make mistakes. Everybody yeah. is gonna it's gonna happen to everybody. Yep. And yeah, like you said, if it's a pattern, that's the problem. But yep. not not the one off mistake. Yep, it's something to learn from and get better from.
1: Yeah, and it's I mean. You get, and we can say this all day long, but the other thing we got to keep in mind, we got to communicate that to leadership too, because they're going to be like a mistake. Oh my goodness. But I think if they know the heart behind what you're doing, that builds trust. Like, or texting in the moment, hey, I saw that. We're good. Like, because they think everything is perfect. Every you hit spacebar, what could go wrong? Like, (laughs) all right, how hard can it be? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. So I think it's just that over communication. And so, like, if you're telling them, hey, here's how we're getting better, here's, I try to preface when it's somebody's first Sunday solo. Hey, this person is their first Sunday solo. We've done everything we can to set them up for a win. Mm-hmm. Just heads up. Yeah, Say it to the worship leader. I say it to the campus pastor. Like, just give a heads up. Because at that point, when they see a mistake, they know like, okay, cool. Dylan's on it. He's working on it. Oh, this person's new. Yeah. And a lot of time, they'll come back after service and be like, hey, great job. We know it's your first Sunday. Like, thank you so much. Like, yeah. Because they get the same thing. They understand.
0: yeah. Oh, it's so good. There's a church here in the Chicago area. I don't know if they do this anymore, but if they had somebody serving for the first time, like on the worship team or maybe at front of house or something, the campus pastor would get up and say, Hey, I just want everybody to know, like we got Jeff, he's back there on the console. This is his first week solo. And <laughs> yeah. you know, we're so excited that he stepped up and we just wanted you to, you know, be in this with us so, yep. you know that, yeah. you know, let's yep. uh let's give it up for Jeff, you know. And so everybody's clapping yep. and And so it turns it into like everybody's rooting for the first time person instead of like, why does it sound so bad? Or, you know, how do they miss that cue? And it also sort of humanizes the, all that stuff happening behind the scenes that most congregation members are totally unaware of.
1: Yeah. Yep. I think it all kind of circles back though, even to the care side. If you know somebody's coming in on a Sunday with something going on, like obviously that's going to weigh in their brain. They're not leaving stuff at the door. But if you know that, Hey, let's pray over you before we start service. Hey, let's, you know, talk about what's going on. Let's get it out of your system. So that way you can just fully focus in on what God has for you today. So you can Mm -hmm. create an experience for yourself and others, you know, with whatever's going on.
0: Yeah. That's been a great conversation. I feel like this is a topic that probably doesn't get enough airtime in most of our lives. You know, just a reminder that the people are what matters and we need to make time for taking care of those people
1: yeah leadership is not meant to be comfortable at all, and so I think whether you lead a team of two or forty two like man, I would encourage you like just find one one way to add value to them this week, I think, yeah, once you do that and you see that impact, like it's gonna inspire you to do something else, yeah, and
0: I would say just if you're starting to make the shift into pouring into people, like maybe don't pour into everyone all at once, but yeah. pick the people that are sold out to the team or are already yeah. serving a lot. Somebody that you're close with and start creating a culture yeah. one person at a time, not yeah. necessarily trying yeah. to hit the ball out of the park right from the very yeah.
1: beginning. Yeah, because then you'll feel it. But I mean, what I've challenged one of our production managers here is I said, hey, just pick your top five over the next five months and just get lunch with one of them each month. Yeah. Like that's one simple way that you can just pour into somebody but also just learn about their life. Yeah, you can text them, you can whatever, but like, hey, pick your top five and just do it with them. And then what we've seen in return of that is they've been willing to step up and help lead those underneath them to a greater capacity because they realize what being poured into really means.
0: Yeah, yeah, so good.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great
0: conversation.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Few things I really liked about our conversation was the idea of developing a process to onboard volunteers. So instead of just winging it with each person, being intentional about creating repeatable steps to follow to get people involved. Maybe not simply to get them involved as quickly as possible, but also to find the best fit for each volunteer. So developing a process, I love that. And something that seems like we've talked about a few times on this podcast is the idea of training people along the way instead of just trying to get everyone up to speed real quick at the last minute before you go on vacation. I think it's so easy for us to value getting through rehearsal quickly. And when problems arise, we just kind of jump in and solve the problems instead of showing people how to solve the problems themselves. So, you know, going from being a pro presenter person that just knows to hit the space bar versus someone who can actually get in there and make some changes. Now, all the time, it's not maybe the right time to put all that burden on a volunteer, but I think it's important for us to take up more time along the way to actually show people how to improve so I thought that was really important and I think so much of what we're about you know comes down to relationships you know gear is important and knowing how to use the gear it matters Uh, but so much of what we do especially when building teams it's important to invest in relationships with people I thought that was so important to hear Dylan talk about. If you're looking for more resources on this idea of developing volunteers and building volunteer teams, there's some really good chapters in our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, just about the idea of relationships mattering more than gear. I mean, you've got chapter 20, production isn't everything, or chapter 22, production is tough, let's enjoy it, or chapter 23, tenacity in relationships. And like all the chapters in the book, these are great conversation starters for the people on your team to help figure out what you want to be about as a team and what really matters. And so you can get discounts on multiple copies of our book to hand out to your team. So go to philo.org book and you can find out all the information there. You can also go to Amazon and look for I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at @philo_community. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter or to this podcast to stay up to date on everything that's going on here at Philo. So until next time, thanks for joining us.